Happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to the Joyful Miles podcast, where we're all about inspiring others to enjoy life one mile at a time. This is Laura, and once again, I'm filling in as host to bring you some more bonus content. If you follow Joyful Miles over on YouTube, then you know that for the past month, I've been doing a project with Heather Jorgensen from the Running With Grace channel called Vlogtober. That's where content creators post a video every single day in October. Taking on this challenge solo was clearly too much for the both of us, so instead, we've been taking turns, and then on Sunday, we'd have interviews with guests. Heather would share that condensed version on her YouTube channel, and I'd share the full version here as a podcast, which means I have some catching up to do. October has been kicking my butt both business and personal-wise, plus I had a bit of a setback with my injury, but that's a topic for a different day, and it's, it's all good. Instead, I'm sharing a fantastic chat we had with nutritionist Ellie Kempton of Simply Nourish Nutrition. Gotta tell you all, I learned a ton from this, and it showed me that I clearly need to up my nutrition game. So enjoy, and if you'd like to see the video version of this chat, I'm putting a link to Heather's channel in the show notes, as well as links to Ellie's website. Hey, Run Junkies, and hey again, Laura. We are here for Vlogtober. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Ellie Kempton from... Simply Nourish Nutrition here in the lovely town of Denver. Hi, Ellie. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. Hi. Thanks for having me. It is so nice to have you here because um, if you don't know who Ellie is, she's actually really, you're, you're really kind of gaining a foothold in the Another Mother Runner group, and you've, you're kind of hard to get a hold of. You're kind of a popular nutritionist around these parts. That or maybe I'm just a hermit. Who knows? <laughs> so tell, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got into nutrition, and what your athletic background is as well. Yeah. So I, my whole path towards what I do now is incredibly circuitous. I didn't just land here as this little happy-go-lucky dietitian who preaches apples from the hilltops. I, uh, I kind of came to my knees with some health conditions when I was an athlete. Um, and it was actually when I was in college, I was a collegiate athlete and I was diagnosed with Crohn's two year, two weeks mm -hmm. before Olympic trials. And yeah, talk about, thank you. Big wow. ass. So it was kind of one of those situations where I, I had to make some big choices about healthcare, and um, there were a lot of forks in the road on which directions to go. And um, I chose the very clinical medical route right away because I had Olympic trials in two weeks. Come on, I've got some fast, and if, if I need a quick remedy, I'm going to get there. But I came to find that that quick remedy didn't really fix the problem long term. Mm. So I started seeking out some other options and was incredibly reluctant to admit to the fact that food might play a role in maybe I just was that rebellious, like no way, no how do I want to give up X or give up Y, um, but came to find that it it's what brought me back to life. So here I am, um, sipping from the Kool-Aid, living and breathing my, you know, what, what brought me back to life. Um, and I pursued 
a graduate degree in nutrition and became a registered dietitian to, to teach nutrition in a new way, in a way that just empowers women to be their best selves, to really get to the heart of the issues and stop mopping up the floor and turn off the faucet. So um, I like to call myself a lifestyle architect. I hate the word dietitian. Yeah. Ooh. Do you like that? I do I like that. that. Yeah. So I really cringe when I hear the word diet or numbers or rules because it's just so black and white and just unforgiving. Mm -hmm. and what I teach is very um, sustainable. It's like this beautiful hue of gray where, you know, you, you can slip up here or slip up there and it's forgiving. It's resilient. Um, it's a plan that you get to follow instead of have to follow. So um, I'm living the dream. I love what I do. Nice. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. And it's funny because um, here I am drinking my nettle tea. This is one of the things that, that Ellie taught me to do. It's nettle tea. Nettle tea is good for you. <laughs> really? Really? I'll have to check that out. Nettle tea back here. Look at her. She's got it all behind her. Like she's got this beautiful little room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't want to walk into a sterile clinical room. I've got a kitchen back here. You got to make tea and taste and touch. It's awesome. It's really, really fun. So Ellie, how can, how can people find you online? Excuse me. Great. Uh, so the easiest way to get in touch with me or just kind of get, check out some of the fun things I've been posting lately and doing um, Simply Nourished Nutrition is my website. Um, in a few weeks here, I'm launching a beautiful new website that's just filled to the brim with all my gorgeous infographics and my journal filled with blog posts just that are things that I don't know I would genuinely be interested in reading. So um, yeah, check that out. And that's, you know, there's obviously an easy way to contact me there. So we have quite a few questions from the Joyful Miles Running Club, which is where Laura kind of has her group over there, but I'm a, kind of a stalker in there. So that's a Facebook group over there. And we just uh, posed the question, uh, you know, if you could ask Ellie anything, what would you ask her? And so I know, Laura, you have a whole bunch of questions from your group. Oh, yeah, they came through. Well, the first one is from Angie James. She says, I'd like to know more about how to prevent runner's tummy. After all of my long runs, my stomach GI tract hates me for hours. Ooh, okay, good. The good news is it's absolutely fixable like this is a problem where you will see blog post after blog post after blog post on runners world and women's health you know talk speaking to this phenomenon where you know i assume runner's belly is analogous to what is mainstream runners trots and mm. um essentially it's a bacterial imbalance and when there's an overgrowth of a certain species of bacteria, and I won't go too into the details because I'll bore you all to death, but they're a family of bacteria called firmicutes. And when there's too many of them, they like to eat fiber and give off lots of gas, which I assume she's experiencing with that little bloat belly after a run. And so really the, the mainstream remedy is to just stop eating fiber, which happens to mean stop eating a lot of your favorite foods, right? Stop eating lots of vegetables, stop eating crackers, stop eating anything that has fiber. But I look at that as not a sustainable fix. So my number one recommendation for runner's belly or runner's trots, if it does actually manifest itself in a little bit of urgency, to put it 
nicely, would be to um, take a little bit of oil of oregano. That's one of the easiest ways to start killing off, and that sounds really aggressive, and for anyone who knows me, I'm really not an aggressive person, but you absolutely want to start killing off some of the, that family of bacteria so that when they eat fiber, they don't give off as much gas and it's not such a terrible uh, kind of painful scenario after a run because running just almost it's like uh turning up the heat on a problem right so it's like taking a magnifying glass to a problem a lot of problems come out on a run so if you had an achy foot it would get really bad during a run if you have a, a bacterial imbalance runs just magnify the problem um so taking a little bit of oil of oregano it really doesn't matter what brand to me i would just pick up some oil of oregano from the store and take one serving of whatever brand you choose per day and that'll start the process of killing off the bacteria at the same time you want to be consuming really good bacteria and one of my favorite sources of good bacteria is food I'm such a purist. I, I don't love capsules of this and that and the other. I love food. Keep it simple. So um, easy sources of good bacteria are kefir or kefir, however, you know, potato, potato, um, yogurt, kimchi, kombucha. Kimchi sounds scary. It's not. It's like uh, kind of spicy sauerkraut. Um, kombucha. Uh, have you tried kombucha interview? I I have you. We've had that conversation, and I went to the probiotic beverage, so it's a little different than that. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, same thing. It's kind of like a tea's answer to beer, right? Mm -hmm. It's just fermented tea. It's kind of I think it's delicious. My wallet hates me, but I love it. Um, and what's another one? Pickles, raw pickles. So you can get good probiotics. Oh, you got me a pickles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love pickles. Perfect. Perfect. So just make sure. They're the raw kind. They're not the kind that, um, you know, are pickled pickled, but they're in the refrigerated section. You can easily make them. That's one of my husband's and my favorite thing to do is we pick up cucumbers at the end of, you know, the summer season and we just throw them in water with lots of good salt via recipe and we let them ferment for a few days and they're fantastic. Um, so pickles are another one. So if you want that steady influx, I would say one of the easiest ways to get it is just, just take a little sip of kefir every day, either a dairy kefir or a non-dairy kefir. And by killing off the firmicutes and taking in good bacteria, you're going to have a much better belly. Is that a long-term then? Like, like you're not just doing that before a run. You're doing that, you know, as, as kind of a daily lifestyle fix. Great. Good question. I would say that oil of oregano can come, I would say for two weeks max is all you would need. You'll start seeing symptoms subside pretty quickly. Okay. I'd say probiotics are a long, long-term solution. Right. right. I just think everyone, I mean, think about the cultures around the world. Every culture has this beautiful cultured food that they celebrate. Like you think of, I mean, kimchi, for instance, it's a Northern Korean dish, which, you know, they bury these beautiful ceramic vats underground for years with this stuff fermenting. And here we are as Americans, like sterilizing everything we can yeah. get. We're like, oh, vegetables, sterilized, you know, yogurt, sterilized. And so I almost laugh because when I look at the the health and the, the kind of the gut ecology of cultures around the world, Americans by far have the health <laughs> issues. Um, which of course, you know, keeps me in business, but, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I really, anytime someone talks with me, I mean, Heather, you experienced this firsthand. It's, 
you've got to be eating good, good bacteria. We have a dog. We have a dog. My apologies. No. We all have dogs. We all do. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I was just talking about my dog when you were gone. Yeah. We, we all have dogs. Um, okay, Bob's got her now. You got another one there, Laura? Okay, this is from Jen Sorensen. She says, part of me wants to know her suggestions for some healthy meals and snacks in Disney and wants to avoid, but another part of me wants to maintain my ignorance and enjoy that Dole Whip in peace. <laughs> oh, that's the best question. <laughs> Okay, so you're gonna get both sides. You're gonna get the best element of how I work with nutrition when I give you this answer. Because while I'm a very functional dietitian or nutritionist, and I always wanna give you, you know, a strategic way to get to the heart of issues, I don't ever want my plans to taint the memory behind your your races or your lifestyle. So if you ever came back to me and you're like, oh yeah, we had a great wedding, but we ate dirt in the backyard. Like <laughs> that would be an awful way to remember that wedding, right? Because you're following my plan. And I've been on enough plans like that. I mean, in my own healthcare trajectory, when I was really trying to figure out what the heck was going on with me, I was following plans at the sacrifice of my sanity and my lifestyle. And I just couldn't ever foresee myself living that way long-term. So I, my gut tells her, you know, if she, I would absolutely maintain some ignorance because ignorance is bliss. Come on. But, you know, not at the sacrifice of how she feels for the entire entire vacation. So the way I look at it is you've got to almost make that decision before you go to a restaurant or before you go to any of the food venues and say, is this going to be a functional meal or is this going to be a fanciful meal? And once you've made that decision, you go for it. And that way there's no feelings of guilt or shame or remorse or almost just, um, trepidation around your food choices because you've made that choice and then you walk away with the right types of memories. And I, I think, you know, I'm very, I'd say, and I'm not by trait, but I'm European in that I like to always weave in those elements of food as a really therapeutic way to build memories and build relationships. And if she's at Disney, you know, eating kale on the sidelines while all of her friends are, you know, enjoying what are, what are the iconic, Heather, what are the iconic foods available at Disney? Well, well, Jen, uh, Jen mentioned, uh, Dole Whip is really Dole the big one. Like people will wait in a very long line for Dole Whips and confession time. I've never actually had one. Sorry. Sorry. I know. I know. I must leave. I know. Well, no, Laura, you have to teach me when we get there. You have to teach me. Well, it does have pineapple juice in it. Correct. And yeah. the pineapple is pineapple. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, you know, it's good fruit. It's got fruit in it. It thinks it's good. Yeah. Um, what's another one like Mickey bars and, um, Oh, the caramel apples. Caramel apples are my favorite. Oh my goodness. Like the Rice Krispie treats. Oh yeah. Cupcakes galore. Yeah. Processed yeah. food like you can't believe, but still. Yeah. Oh, I should <laughs> Disney to keep me in business. It's amazing. But, <laughs> but, but, but here's what I'd say. So anybody who's been working with me and I've put together a really robust plan for them to follow and they're to the point where they truly enjoy the plan because that's always my goal. I will never, ever send someone out with a plan that they just abhor. But they're, they're on a plan that, that you know, is, is really um, 
fulfilling their vitamin and mineral uh, quota, fulfilling their protein quota and their carb quota, all of these different things. I say, okay, you're going to go with a plan to fulfill these and a plan to embellish it maybe 20% of the time with the things like the Dole Whip and the Mickey right. cake and all those amazing things. That's the 20%. I'm a big 80-20 advocate, a huge 80-20 advocate. Yeah. 80% of the time you're following a plan that's functional and that breeds life and wellness and longevity. And 20% of the time, a plan that kind of keeps you alive up here, the things you're excited about. I mean, right. I'm going to sweet cow um, ice cream after this, which is the cutest little ice cream shop ever. It's totally been the light at the end of the tunnel for my day today. Like oh, nice. so excited to go for a little walk and eat some ice cream from sweet cow. But Lord knows I'm also fulfilling certain other, other, um, I'd say kind of standards for my day, which is the other 80%. Oh, I love, so you get permission to do Dole Whip. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You did off this show anyway. If I no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> How do I measure this? Okay. Wow. Um, so I do actually have a question that um, Steph asked a while ago, but I wanted to save this for you, Ellie. Uh, does she asked if you have any opinions on lower carb meal plans and long distance running. She asks because she's a type one diabetic. She can only mm. consume so many carbs and maintain optimal uh, blood glucose levels. So any thoughts hey, on that? That's a fantastic question. So um, I was just interviewed by Women's Health last week over this question. So I'm an expert on it now. Um, but essentially, I can I absolutely um, advocate for a lower carbohydrate plan if, and here's the big, big capital IF, you are feeding your body fat because your body has two different fuel sources it can draw from. It can either draw from carbohydrates or it can draw from fat, but you can't starve it from both. So my goal as a dietitian in your life is to get you to the point where you can use carbs just as efficiently as you can use fat, and then you get to choose either or. It's kind of like your body, let's, here's a really good analogy. It's kind of like your body is a Prius. And you can either feed it gas and press the gas pedal and go forward really fast every time you press the gas pedal, i.e. every time you need carbs, or you can take your foot off the gas pedal and tap into the battery. The battery takes you a really long way. You just don't have to recharge it as often. So being a type 1 diabetic, I love working with type 1 diabetics because I just get them to the place where they use fat as fuel. It's not, a, it's not an overnight process. It's not like one day you're eating carbs, the next day you're not, and you're eating fat. It's not like that. It's very much of a process. I call it a fat adaptation process. It takes upwards of three to six months to get your body to the place where it's okay utilizing fat as fuel predominantly. But once you're there, man, your body is happy as a clam. And that's really, that's my end goal with everyone I work with is to get them to a place where their body goes, switches seamlessly from using gas to you or glucose to you. I eat carbohydrates to using fat and vice versa. When you're there, it's kind of just like a metabolic jungle gym. It's pretty cool. A metabolic jungle gym. I love jungle that. gym. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So she's absolutely fine. I just would, my advice to her would be really start leaning into high quality fats and making sure she's not starting her body from both carbohydrates and fats at the same time. 
Okay, so such as, such as what, nuts and oils? Yeah, my favorite, favorite fat. So avocado, A number one. Avocado and avocado oil. You can cook mm. with avocado oil at really high heat, which is amazing. Think like fried sweet potatoes in it. Yum. Um, yeah, I know. That facial expression is perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nuts seeds, nuts, seed, nuts and seeds, butters. Um, my favorite actually for runners who are fat adapted runners, like I just had someone run um, a, an Ironman, not run, do an Ironman um, three weeks ago, uh, fat adapted. She really, she was taking in coconut butter packets, which are my favorite, favorite, favorite coconut butter. It's like they come in these cute little packets or you can get the jar, which is dangerous for me because I out the jar. Um, yeah. Uh, but fueling your run on coconut butter or nut butter, um, fantastic. And it's just where you start, instead of just fueling your runs and your races on just glucose, you do basically a two to one ratio of fat to glucose. So just switches the tables a little bit. So you get this trickle of glucose, but predominantly fat. Wow. Wow. Super cool. Oh, dark chocolate is a fantastic other, um, uh, fat source it's so you know and i mean dark though dark dark you're like 90 percent, 80 90 yeah i'm not talking 60 70 people tell people will come in and be like yes ellie i love dark chocolate like, <laughs> really that's 50 percent right there no 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 i'm talking 80 to 90 because you get a ton of sugar with the 50 to 60 mm -hmm. right excellent yeah. wow hey okay. what's next laura Okay, Meredith Rice asked, what is the best training meals and snacks and pre-race meals and snacks? Ooh, love this. Okay, so um, going off, you know, the previous question, so it's perfect that you brought this in because the previous question is, kind of leads into it. It depends, This my answer depends on whether you can use fat pretty efficiently. So if you started to bring fat into your diet and um, are starting to lean on it a little bit more, I would recommend snacks, not maybe pre-race, but especially you know after a long run that have quite a bit of fat in them. So I would say one of my favorite, favorite post-run um, snacks would be uh, nuts and seeds. They're fantastic because they're protein and fat. Because you always want to, so let's just call it this way. You always want to have a baseline of protein as soon as you get done with the run. Right. So my favorite training snacks are the ones that have a baseline of protein. And if you're a fat-adapted runner, you add fat onto that. But if you're a glucose runner, you add glucose onto that. So let's talk through some options. Perfect proteins would be, say, a Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, eggs, um, oh, some sort of uh, easy kind of like um, jerky. A lot of my runners love kind of because they're, you know, heading home from a long run or something and they have some jerky packed in their car. Um, trying to think of some other simple, simple proteins. You know, uh, smoothies are a wonderful, wonderful training snack because you can blend in a protein. You know what my favorite protein is right now? My powdered, favorite powdered protein is collagen. Love collagen as a protein source for athletes because it doesn't really taste like anything. Um, actually, let me grab. I have some. I'll show you guys what I'm talking about. She's got some right behind her. She's, it's right there. Of course. I love yeah. it. Yeah, my little story. 
Okay, so I love this company, Vital Proteins, and it's like um. I have that stuff. Ooh. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this because you can just pop these in your gym bag or whatnot and you put it in like I'll just put it in tea or water and it's you know 10 20 grams of protein depending on how much you put and it's fantastic because it starts the process of healing your joints and tissues so quickly um, and so that would be a good baseline and then if you're bringing in carbs I love 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 bringing in berries grapefruit, citrus of any type because all of that has a bunch of vitamin C, which is so good for the repair. As a runner, you guys are breaking down your body so fast and it's just hard to keep up with yourself, right? Yeah. So vitamin C is so critical for that repair process. And then if you're a fat adapted runner, bringing in, like I already said, nuts, seeds, avocado. Um, oh, here's one of my favorites these days. MCT oil. It's a component of coconut oil. So it's, it's the, the, I'd say almost 70% of coconut oil that are only a medium chain of the fat. So there's short chain fats and there's medium chain fats and long chain fats. MCT, which is going to get really big, really fast. So everyone, you're going to hear it here and then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I remember when I listened to that YouTube about <laughs> Um, yeah, the reason it's so cool is that it gets utilized for energy right away. So I put a lot of my athletes on MCT oil and they can, just, you know, buy it in a, do I have some? I don't think I have some here, but essentially, you know, it's a tasteless oil that I have them blend into smoothies or use as kind of like a drizzled oil on um, bread or anything like that. Um, MCT would be a wonderful, wonderful post-race um, addition to whatever protein you choose. You could swirl it into yogurt. I will have people do little like Cinnabon puddings where they have yogurt and cinnamon and MCT oil and honey. So good. They feel fantastic. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. And I, I don't I'll leave a link to that in the description too. So if anybody's, I want that link, what that is <laughs> MCT oh, yeah. oil, I will leave a link in the description. Cool. Oh yeah. my goodness. I think it's fantastic. And along those lines, I really don't recommend much before running, which I know is like picking your job off the floor. But I just, if you are well nourished, especially, you know, the weeks, the months leading into um, even just a longer run, you can run without a, eating a bunch before. That being said, I don't want you to listen to this and think, oh, good, I'm just going to go out for my run tomorrow morning and not eat anything. But it can be a slow but steady process towards the place where you're not just gorging yourself before your run. Um, and if you are still eating something before your run, I highly recommend greenish bananas with a little bit of nut butter. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. oh that sounds so good. Okay. All right. Okay. So we got another question. Do you want just like an answer, like a lightning round? Like Yeah, let's do a lightning round. All okay. right. So this is by Lindsay Wilson. Much like yourself, Laura Bowers, I'm a big fan of beer. She usually has one to two a day while training. How bad is this for me? If my body is used to it, is it different? I love it. Okay. So I, you know, I always teach that alcohol is a carbohydrate or that's how it's processed in the body, even though it's a little bit different. And you know, I always ask my, at the person sitting across from me, if they're willing to let that carbohydrate 
kind of infringe on the other carbohydrates that they would have otherwise consumed at dinner, right? So I always give, give someone kind of a, I hate to say quota because that makes it sound really sterile, but you know, I always ask, well, are you willing to have your beer kind of fulfill a good portion of your quota? And some people look across and say, you know, I need a little more variety than that. I would love to have a little bit more fruit or sweet potatoes or pasta or whatever it may be. And then, and then we kind of edge that out for maybe just that evening because alcohol doesn't have as many vitamins and minerals as you might suspect, right? Um, or maybe you're not even suspecting. So <laughs> it's, it's gotta be a one-on-one -on -one decision, but I would say if, what's her name? It Lindsay. is Lindsay. Sorry, I had to scroll back. No, it's okay. If Lindsay is willing to maybe sacrifice some of the other carbs that she would have had with dinner, I'm okay with an, an evening beer. It's kind of a European principle that you come back and you have a glass of wine or a beer. Um, but if she wants a little more variety and she wants to kind of power punch her evening with more vitamins and minerals and things that will benefit her the next day, I would do maybe an oscillation between carbohydrates coming from fruit and, and root vegetables one night and then beer the next night. And she might find but we'll just see that the days after the, the carbohydrates coming from those other food sources produce a better run the next day. Mm. We'll just see. Awesome. Okay. okay. We have another question from Christopher Savio. Best way to carb load the days leading up to a long race and the volume of carbs needed. Okay. Well, this goes for my non-fat adapted athletes. So, you know, if you plan on racing on carbohydrates, my recommendation is to <clears throat> basically only, and I'm very conservative about carb loading. There's enough research out there to dictate you do not need a really robust carb load. I recommend really only adding in half a cup of extra carbs every night, two weeks out, <clears throat> and a cup every night a week out. That's really all you need. And that just helps with, of course, muscle tissue um, um, renewal. And then it fills up all the storage of glucose in your muscle tissue and liver. Um, but if you plan on running your race more on fat, you don't need to carb load at all. <clears throat> Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Okay. We have, I have one last question by Heather. Not this Heather, but a different Heather. Different Heather. How much how much is enough water, half your body weight in ounces, etc. I want to make sure I am super hydrated for dopey without having to pee 20 times in the course. And is it true sipping, not gulping water helps with that? Do salt taps help with that as well? Ooh, I love that. Big old question. Big yeah. question. So I don't really recommend, there's really no um, one answer for how much hydration is enough, but I always start at a baseline of 16 to 24 ounces. So there's kind of an eight ounce leeway there three times a day. So that's my baseline for anyone who comes to me. And the way you know if it's adequate is if your pee doesn't look like a pilsner, but it's also not clear see-through, right? You want it to be that light, almost like canary yellow, very, very light yellow. That's her standard for how adequate her hydration is, okay? Um, and as far as salt tablets go, it really depends on how hot it's going to be and how much she sweats. If she's a big sweater, we all know who we are, right? Like I am the world's biggest sweater. I even just walk into say a warm room and I'm like dripping sweat. I'm like a I, drowned rat. <laughs> what? 
I'm like a drowned rat. That's what I look like at the end of the race. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's absurd. So or at least for me. And so I do recommend salt tablets or electrolyte repletion the morning of that race so that as you sweat it out, you don't fall prey to cramping or any electrolyte deficiency. Um, but really that's only necessary for extreme heat, anything over 70, um, 70, 75 degrees. Uh, Fahrenheit and then you know for my big sweaters and it does help actually retain the water if you take those salt tablets and you don't need very many one or two yeah fantastic Heather do you have another I do but I think we're about to get kicked off here do you want to do an intro outro or do you want to do that separately I can do it later I can do it later okay. go ahead you just add that on um I let's see I have uh, Jackie asks why do I gain weight when training for a marathon Oh, this is my best question ever. It's so <laughs> one one minute, 45 seconds. Can you do it, girl? Go. You're going to Essentially, you gain weight because your cortisol is incredibly high as you're training for such long periods of time. And for all your body knows, you are running from danger. And so with that, your body is protecting you. Because if you were running from danger, the last thing your body wants you to do is lose weight and starve. So it's a very protective mechanism. And with that high cortisol, your blood sugar is really high. When your blood sugar is really high, your insulin's always packing it away, just like the good old insulin does. So I never, ever, ever try to induce a weight loss plan in the middle of a marathon, nor do I ever recommend somebody tries to lose weight during a marathon. It's between marathon cycles that you get your metabolism ready and geared up, and then you sustain that weight for a marathon and then lose it, sustain, lose, okay? Okay. Fantastic. You did it. Yay. We're about, We're about to get 30 out. seconds. So Ellie, thank you so much. Ellie, thank you so much. That is, that was, oh my gosh, like I, I know my head's about to explode. So thank you so <laughs> yeah. much for, for bringing all of your knowledge to this. Of course, of course. And these are wonderful questions and they're so, um, these are the things that I'm glad people are thinking about because it showcases that they're taking good care of themselves, which means a lot. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. And Laura, thank you again. All right. So that is it for us today on behalf of Laura and Ellie. Thank you guys so much. Get out there, go find your awesome. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy running. Bye. Take care, everyone. <laughs>